Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Entrepreneur's Expos, where we speak with all kinds of founders and creators doing amazing things in business and beyond. Listeners, you can now support the continued growth of the show. If you're interested, go to glow.fm slash e2. That's glow.fm slash e2. If you enjoy the content we're producing here and our show is part of your pod routine, check that out. Today on the show, we're chatting with Jared Getz. He is the founder and CEO of Zendrop an e-commerce marketplace that connects reliable suppliers with online merchants and drop shipping stores. Over 1 million merchants use Zendrop today since its inception back in 2019. Recently, Jared has also shifted his focus to the world of personal growth, helping new and aspiring entrepreneurs overcome limiting mindsets that stand in the way of their success. In this one, we discuss Jared's four rules he lives by, how the power of simply asking led him to Mark Cuban, what he believes are the cornerstones of personal and professional growth, dropshipping, e-commerce, and the success of Zendrop, and much, much more. So with that intro out of the way, let's get right to it. Here is my conversation with Jared Getz. I was listening to you interview, I forget who it was from the NFL on your podcast. Lock it. Yeah, yeah, it was very cool. I listened to that on the car ride up today. You guys honed in. I mean, you really dove deep on the whole self-help thing, habits, routines, etc. When did you become so passionate about mindset, beliefs, routines, and that sort of thing? What happened was I was fortunate to have some success early on in my career. I remember I was like 16 one day, I was in Florida and I saw this young guy driving in a Lamborghini and I was like, oh, if only I could be like that guy, I would be really happy in life. So I always wanted to do something different. I always wanted to make money. I grew up single mom, only child, one bedroom apartment. And I tried a lot of things. I took a lot of risks. I had too much confidence for my skill level. And I, so I started a business when I was about 19, 20. I was in college at the time. And we were essentially throwing concerts. So we would rent venues and arenas. Yeah, we got it got pretty big toward the end. And we would book big artists. And we actually created our own show called Electric Flurry, and it was the world's largest foam party. And uh, we ended up doing like 20 shows around the country, and I was doing well. I was generating money. I was living in this penthouse in Miami. You know, I was in my very early 20s. And essentially what happened was we didn't really know how to manage the business. We didn't know how to manage cash flows. We booked a show that was out of our league, and we didn't sell enough tickets. We basically lost all of our cash. And on top of that, I got slapped with a lawsuit for 200 grand. And I was like 23 at the time. And I had to move back in to my mom's apartment. So I had like this version of myself in my head of this successful young entrepreneur. But my reality and my circumstances did not live up to my vision of myself. So I had a lot of depression and anxiety and, and just conflicting thoughts 
And that's really when I started diving into personal development. I was very lost. I was sleeping on my mom's couch and somebody recommended I read the book, uh, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And that basically just opened my mind to, you know, getting up early, kind of letting go of outcomes and just treating myself well. And essentially I started getting up, you know, going for walks in the morning, sitting on a bench by the water and just meditating a bit. And kind of right when I started shifting my energy in that way, the next opportunity in my life just kind of popped in. And that's really, you know, where the the journey of habits and personal development began for me. You know, right away when I checked your profile out on LinkedIn, it was obvious that you're doing things differently than most founders. Just look at your about section, which most folks just use to dump their entire resume of sort of career accolades and bullet points on there, right? You instead use the about section to highlight the rules that you live by. There are four of them. I might as well ask you about these. They're, they're super interesting. So why don't we just hit on a few of them? So number one, just make it happen. There's always a way. Sometimes you just need to think about things differently and have the right attitude. Where does this number one come from? A lot of people are very fear-driven. When they think about the future, the worst case scenario plays in their heads and they end up just you know, coming up with excuses why they aren't going to get something done maybe something that seems out of their league and they don't do it. They don't, they don't take that chance. They don't take that risk. So I mean, I am a firm believer and this belief has brought me far in my career that how I feel and the energy that I give off changes the reality around me. see, like most people are, you know, they try to figure out how to move forward in their career and they get to the drawing board. They're like, all right, well, first I need to do this. Then I need to do that. Then this needs to happen this way. And then I can go do this thing. And the problem is, is we live in a universe of unlimited possibilities. So the odds of one of those things not going the way that you need it to go are very high. And then when you attach your emotion and your feeling to the outcome of things that you have no control over, then you create and you manifest what you get back, which is, oh, that didn't happen the way I wanted it to, or I need this. So from my perspective, if you can focus on the inner world, if you can focus on, you know, peace, love, abundance, you can feel that energy, we live in a a universe of unlimited possibility, right? From feeling that energy, the universe will shape the way you feel. So it's more important to feel a certain way than for things to happen a certain way. So let's hit on another one of these rules that you live by. Number two, you will always want more no matter how much you have. You'll never reach a finish line. Say more about this one. Yeah. So after I got Going with Yik Yak, I ended up selling my shares. I ended up flying out to China and starting my first e-commerce business. And I was fortunate again to have success at an early age. I made millions of dollars when I was 25, 26. And I bought the cars. I bought the houses. I bought the stuff that I thought, you know, that my 18-year-old self was like, oh, once you have that, you're good. And, you know, and I had this realization back when I was graduating college that life is a journey you're always going to want more. And that if life is a journey, you must learn to enjoy the journey. But it's one thing understanding something conceptually, and then it's a whole different thing experiencing it. So when I attained those items, when I you know, bought the Lamborghinis and the house and went on the exotic trips, only to realize that there's still an empty void that needs to be filled with something else or with something inside of me, I realized that there is no finish line. Jeff Bezos isn't finished. Elon Musk isn't finished. You'll never be finished until you're dead. 
So the lesson is really take each day as a, as a gift, right? Cause you don't know when your last day is enjoy it, harness that energy. Your life will become what you want it to be. And just know that it's never, you're never going to get to a finish line. So just really enjoy that journey. I mean, it's a very mature way of thinking. You're 25, you make all this money. When did you come to this realization? When you attracted uh, or acquired all of these material possessions, what happened? Like, did it take a couple of years for you to mature and realize these things? I think that's a great question. You know, I think it's something that you kind of learn piece by piece. And I think the more time you spend reflecting, which most people don't spend enough time reflecting, the more you can feel and learn these lessons faster. So really, you know, I remember there's one thing that stood out to me. I started this drop shipping business. I generated millions of dollars. I was traveling around Southeast Asia. You know, I went to the Canton Fair in China and then I decided, let me go fly out to Thailand and, you know, travel around by myself. I remember I was on a, a like a, a tour boat. They were like showing us like Buddhist temples or something. And there was this woman and she, I think she was from France. And well, I was chatting with her and her husband and they were, were saying goodbye to each other at the end. And she goes, I hope you find what you're looking for. And I was like, it's weird. Like, do I feel, do I look like I'm looking for something? And I was like, it struck me in a weird place. And I was, I pondered on that one for a while. And, you know, then through the years, I started realizing more and more like, you know, that happiness comes from long-term joy, keeping promises to yourself, you know, having a stable life, having peace and clarity is not from the external stuff. So this is a lesson that continues. I continue to learn this lesson every day. It's not something I just learned once and it's like, okay, I get it now. I think it's something that not only do you continue to learn, but you need to also continue to remind yourself so you can kind of stay on the right path. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Let's double click on that for a moment. So when I think about it and I listen to you, Jared, I think about the idea of living in alignment with yourself and in alignment with your core values. So how does one begin to figure this out? Like what types of questions should one ask themselves if this resonates with them, but they want to kind of go deeper? I think it's not so much what questions, it, mm. what state of energy should you be in when you start to seek those answers? You know, if you're just sitting on the couch all day playing video games, you know, and not keeping any promises to yourself and eating, you know, fried chicken and just it, you're in a low vibrational state, you can ask yourself, what do I want in life? And you're going to get back low energy answers. But if you get up and you go for a run and you clear your mind and you put on good music and you feel your vibration rising, and from that state, you start to tune in to your intuition and you start to visualize your future life, right? There was a cool exercise I did at a personal development event where we got ourselves in a high energy state and then we imagined ourselves as someone else who genuinely loves you and cares about you. And then from that person's perspective, we walked into our future life. So there was no self-sabotaging thoughts or I'm not good enough because you're from this other person's perspective. And it expands your mind to really think of limitless possibilities for you. And then when you see those visions and you start to kind of get something that feels good and you recognize what's your intuition versus what's your impulse, once you recognize your intuition, it's easy to kind of, double click into those intuitive thoughts and start to develop a vision. But the first thing to do is not, okay, what question should I ask myself? It's 
what state of energy do I need to be in to start asking myself questions? That's what I would encourage people to do is focus on that. I love this idea of intuition versus impulse. And as a parent, you know, I can't help but think about all of the noise on social media, which essentially dials up the impulse while dialing down one's intuition. I try and dial back the noise. What about you? What's been your experience? I have not figured out the perfect balance of utilizing the tools of social media while minimizing the adverse effects of getting pulled into it. I haven't figured that out yet. I have tried things. You know, I have had assistance on my accounts to make posts. But to be honest, if you look at my social accounts, I haven't really been active until very recently for the last, call it four years. You know, Maybe I make one post every six months. Because I will say first thing in the morning when your energy is very fragile, the direction of your day can be totally thrown off based on something you consume that's out of your control. So like for people that wake up and go on social media, and let's say they see like a, a post about violence in another country, they're going to provoke the energy of fear, right? Or let's say somebody comments on your picture, something that doesn't make you feel good. You're going to start provoking the energy of not feeling worthy. So by using these platforms, you're training your mind, A, not to have uh, the ability to focus on something for a long time, because typically this content is very short term, short form content. And B, you're training your mind to need this stimuli to give you dopamine. And that pulls you further away from being able to feel your intuition. So if there's a scale, you can't be focused on intuition and impulse. It's kind of one or the other. When you're more in the present moment, when your mind is clear, when your energy is high, you can feel your intuition and you could recognize it. But oftentimes you'll be on social media, which doles out your intuition because you're getting your attention span is being sucked into this thing. You're getting constant streams of dopamine. And now you're, you're looking at this fake world, essentially, where they're serving you all the things you're addicted to, whether it's material items, hot girls, good, nice food, crazy trips. And your mind is now impulsively thinking, oh, I need these things to be happy. So it's hard to find a balance. I will say that there are some good, you know, sides to social media. I have not figured out the balance myself yet, but. I strongly encourage you know anyone who may be feeling down or feeling depressed or, or feeling lost to do a detox of social media for a few months. Let's go back to these rules that you live by. So number three, quote unquote, you'd be surprised what you get when you simply ask. Super succinct, simple. What are some amazing things that you're surprised that you've received after simply asking? Yeah, so one cool story was when I first left my job at Yik Yak, I was selling hoverboards. And I was one of the first people to bring hoverboards to the US. And we partnered with a bunch of influencers and we we're building this big brand and selling a ton of these hoverboards. And life was good. And then I received the news that Mark Cuban was buying the patent on the hoverboard. <laughs> and I was like, well, this could be really good or really bad because he could either shut us down or maybe we could work with him. And I'm like, I need to get in touch with Mark Cuban. But who am I? I'm some, you know, 20-something-year-old, like, random guy. Good luck getting in touch with Mark Cuban. So I lived by this rule. I was like, I got to at least try. So I downloaded his app. Uh, it was called Dust. It was basically like a messaging app where all the messages disappear. And I was like, let me go on Dust and see if I could find him. And I went on Dust and I sent him a message. Hey, this is Jared Gentz. I own Glider. I heard you're buying the patent for the hoverboard. 
we've created this great brand with all these influencers. Let me know if you're interested in talking about working together. Literally three minutes later, I got a response. Hey, Jared, we'd love to chat. First of all, I was a huge Mark Cuban fan, you know, and he was like an idol of mine. And I was just like, holy shit, he answered me. By asking, I did get on a call with Mark Cuban and that was, I thought that there was no shot. Let's just close the loop on these rules. So number four, there's so much that could be accomplished in a single day. If you use your time wisely, you can do anything. Tomorrow only exists in conceptual form. So do it now. The first sort of half of this statement feels a little bit fluffy, but this is very action oriented, right? Today is today. Living in the present is super important. People are so future focused these days. That's where anxiety sets in, right? When we start to look ahead too far. So really honing in on the do it now, what you talk about here is so critical. So like if you're feeling anxious, get on your to-do list and just start making progress. I mean, you could even start with the littlest tasks and you'll notice that once you get the momentum of doing, it gets easier to do more. Like yes. if I list and I have like 40 things on the list and like, I'm like, I don't even know where to start. I'm yeah. just going to do this later. But if I just pick one, whatever it is, it could be called the bank, like a stupid one that I would, wouldn't want to do. And you just get the ball rolling, your anxiety melts away and you get in this groove. So anyway, the point of that rule is like, tomorrow does not exist. You can get a lot done right now all the time. And there's no need to procrastinate. There's no need to procrastinate your decisions. Again, live as if this is your your last opportunity to do what you want to do. So you start Zendrop. Before this, you know, you had several entrepreneurial ideas. You mentioned none of them really took off. Zendrop's been a huge success. What's the origin story here? What's the problem you guys are solving? Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, I left Yik Yak. I started going out to China to the Canton Fair to find viral products. For about two years, I was importing products in bulk. I was selling on Shopify, on Amazon. I was selling to retailers. We would have booths at music festivals and we were selling products all over the place. And one day I was at a trade show for three days. I was selling these inflatable loungers. You like wave them through the air and they fill up and you lay on them. We had a booth at a outdoor retailer, which was a trade show. We were selling them to retail. And I was there for three days and, and you know, it was a, it was a grind because we would sell and then we'd take our profits and we would send the money to China and we'd wait 30 to 60 days to get more goods and we would hope they'd be fine. We have to put them in our warehouse and sell them and keep recycling the cash. And we can never really scale because we never really had the capital to scale. You know, we finished the trade show. I was in my hotel in Dallas. I was about to go to sleep. I was really tired. I was talking to people for three days straight. And uh, I had a flight the next morning at 7 a.m. So I get, I'm about to go to bed. I get an email on my phone and it says, how to sell products without ever seeing or touching. And I was like, that's intriguing to me, but should I go to sleep? Anyway, something inside me made me open this email and it was a webinar. Uh, it was selling like a course, but it was a webinar that showed you how to drop ship from AliExpress. Mm. And I was like, wait a minute, I can just find a supplier and I could run the same ads and not have to buy inventory. And my brain started going crazy because I knew a lot about advertising and testing. And so I got up the next morning. I couldn't sleep. I got up the next morning, like 4 a.m. I got to the airport early. Um, I built my first drop shipping store and that store scaled from zero to $2 million in the first 60 days. What sort of products were you selling? So funny enough, I was selling a knockoff version of my own branded inflatable loungers. Okay. So like I was getting those from China. I was paying, you know, $15 per unit plus shipping plus warehousing. 
plus everything I needed to sell them for $80. But I found a supplier in China that would ship them directly to my consumer for $15 all in. So I was like, let me try selling them for $35. And when I sold them for $35 versus $80, my cost per acquisition went from like 40 to like five. So that was the first product I scaled. And there was no constraint uh, on my scale because you know, I was drop shipping. It was, so it was all great until I was traveling in Asia. I had uh, a flight home in a few days and my customer support team, again, I, I got the business to where I was maybe working like 20 minutes a day on it, just checking things. I had people running the ads, people doing the support. All this stuff was, was mm -hmm. automated. Um, mm -hmm. Support team goes, hey, Jared, we found you know, about 50 tracking codes that aren't working. I land. And that's when my support team said, hey, we, we've, so far we found 1,500 tracking codes that aren't working. And I'm like, okay, this is becoming an issue. So I had to dive right into it. We had to run some scripts and you know, run these tracking codes and figure out which ones were working, which ones weren't. And after about two weeks of digging and running data that I didn't know how to do, uh, we found that my supplier in China collected money from me, but sent out tracking codes for 7,000 orders. So, so I would collect the money from my customer. I'd give the money to him. He was supposed to ship out the product, but instead he just gave me a fake tracking code. So thousands of my customers got fake tracking codes and there was nothing I could do about it. There was a guy named Roger on Skype I was working with that I was wiring hundreds of thousands of dollars to every day. So that's where Zendrop was born. It was, hey, let's create a supply chain for drop shippers that's reliable. And I had the resources to do it. And at, you know, at the time I put all the pieces together in my head. And that's when we decided to start building Zendra. And it took us about two years before we were able to, you know, actually launch it. Is this a tool that's platform agnostic? Does it have to be a Shopify merchant? Can it be anything? Right now we're just Shopify centric. So yeah, we, that's what we've been focusing on because our, yeah, our user base is mainly Shopify merchants. I asked ChatGPT earlier who your competitors were, but it gave me a different set of competitors. Um, AliExpress was one of them, but they, they also mentioned Modalist and, and Spocket, Oberlo. And then online, they mentioned Airlift and ShipStation and ShipRocket and ShipBob and some of these other sort of 3PL solutions. How do you guys think about both the competitors and your unique differentiating selling point here? So we have a very proprietary operation in China through a joint venture partnership that we created years ago. There are other companies that offer similar services to us, like CJ Dropshipping, for example, or eProlo. However, those are Chinese companies. So if you want to communicate with them, you have to do it in the middle of the night. The culture is off. Mm -hmm. The platforms are not you know, built for our type of culture. So we have that infrastructure with an American company that has great support and a great UI UX. Plus, we have a marketplace dynamic. So we have U.S. suppliers and products that you can sell. And we also have print on demand. And then aside from that, we have the best in class education and community aspect as well. So, you know, AliExpress, for example, you can go sell anything from AliExpress. We can source 99.9% .9 of those products if they're not already on Zendra and source them within 24 hours. So like, for example, if you're selling let's say, you know, a dog product on your Shopify store and you're selling it through AliExpress, you connect your store to Zendrop, you can go to your, or, all your orders pull in, you can click, you know, override product and you can search our catalog. And if you don't see the product there, you can click request a quote. And within 24 hours, our team will source that product, add it to Zendrop, and then you can, you can switch your fulfillment over to us. So we're kind of an all-in-one dropshipping platform. 
And really, we've built a brand that people just know, like, and trust. We've been around for a long time now. We've fulfilled millions of orders. And, you know, we, we work with the biggest drop shippers. So, you know, word spreads in that community. So we've just, you know, we've built a brand that people like and respect at this point. I mean, over a million merchants is astounding. It's a testament to, to the value you guys bring to the marketplace. Plenty of startups on there, obviously, but who are some of the biggest merchants that use Zendrop that people might recognize? Yeah, I mean, we have fulfillment agreements with some bigger platforms uh, like Pier One and Radio Shack and, and some other big uh, brands like that. A lot of our big merchants that are doing you know, multi-seven figures per month are like small brands that people that sell shoes or clothing or gadgets and they like to keep a very low profile and they don't like people to know what they're selling and they don't want competition to look at their ads because we you know one thing we do that allows people to kind of differentiate from just regular drop shipping is we do something called drop branding where let's say you want to sell shoes if you went on aliexpress and you sold the shoes they would show up in a chinese package and they would just be like any other you know shoe from that factory. If you wanted the custom branding, you typically need to work with that manufacturer, your branding, put your packaging together, and then bring it in bulk to a warehouse in the US and sell it from there. We have a hybrid model where people can build the brand. Let's say they're selling shoes, right? They can buy seven days worth of inventory from the factory stored in our Chinese warehouse. Every time they make a sale, we replenish it with a unit from the factory. So they don't need to put up 60 days worth of you know, money worth of inventory and bring it to the US, they can do seven days worth and they don't need to pay for shipping until they ship them out. So like if the shoes cost $10 and the shipping costs $10 and they wanted to buy seven days worth and they're doing, let's say a hundred orders a day, you know, they'd have to buy 700 units at $10 each. You're at $7,000 for your inventory. And then every time you ship one out, we charge you $10 for shipping. If you were to do that in the US, you have to buy, you know, 60 days worth times a hundred, that's 6,000 units. You'd have to pay the $10 per unit plus the shipping cost of the US. You're in for, you know, six figures in your uh, inventory. So our big merchants, we allow them to differentiate from just drop shipping, but still they like to kind of be behind the radar so people don't copy their brands. And so a lot of our big merchants are kind of incognito, you could say. It's been a difficult couple of years for e-commerce merchants in general. I'm saying obviously there's there's exceptions to the rule, but e-commerce has sort of seen a relative bottoming out relative to where we were, you know, 2020, 2021-ish, when almost everybody and their grandmother had to buy stuff online. So now that we are post-pandemic, things have really opened up. People are back in stores, in person. Where do you see the next two, three, four years going with e-commerce? Is it a good time to start an e-commerce business today? Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the data and the trends and, you know, the charts that a lot of these big organizations that do a lot of research put together, e-commerce is going to continue to grow, of course, because technology is going to continue to grow and it's going to be easier and easier to buy things. I personally believe drop shipping is going to also continue to grow because merchants are going to realize that holding inventory is a waste of cash flow. And when there's a net of products that they could just plug into their online stores and even in their retail stores and just send those orders to be shipped, can be a much more efficient way to operate. So I do believe that getting into e-commerce is a great idea. Um, I do think that marketing always changes. Like for example, when I first started drop shipping, everyone was like, oh, drop shipping's dead, drop shipping's dead. And then my store blew up. And then my store, you know, the next year of drop shipping's dead. 
my stores continued to blow up. It's just a matter of continuously innovating the way that you market, the way that you think about things. What works today is not going to work next year. You know, what worked two years ago doesn't work today. But e-commerce isn't going anywhere. Well, I think the challenges really are around customer acquisition and those platforms that people have been historically over-leveraged on. I'm thinking specifically about Facebook and Instagram. And you know, you had early success with your e-com store and you mentioned that you were optimizing your ad sets. I presume you were optimizing them on Facebook. But cost of acquisition on Facebook has really gone through the roof. And a lot of merchants are challenged with figuring out how to optimize their ad sets now. And they're looking elsewhere. Um, I don't think a lot of e-com merchants have this all figured out, but you're obviously an insider. You see both from your own experience and also from the perspective of your merchants using Zendrop, what sorts of things are working when it comes to marketing and customer acquisition. Can you share anything related to the next you know, year or two and where you think most of the traffic or at least the cost-effective traffic is going to be? Yeah, I will say that you know, Facebook still 100% works for a lot of dropshippers. It is not as easy as it was. The reason why the ads on Facebook are more expensive than they were five years ago and, and beyond is because more big companies are pumping big dollars to target her. Well, it's a bidding algorithm, but that also means a lot of dropshippers can't compete. So if you can figure out a way to compete, you can get a lot of that ad spend. And if you can do it profitably by you know, improving your, your LTV, understanding your numbers, it's the sophisticated business owners that do really well with dropshipping. Now, the people that know, hey, if I acquire someone for $50, I'm losing $10, but 50% of people come back, I could spend as much as I want and my cash flow is going to do this. It's the sophisticated business owners that do well with Facebook now. But other platforms, TikTok is a huge one now. Pretty much all of our big sellers sell on TikTok. Uh, and it's just a matter of, again, what works today doesn't work next year. What worked two years ago doesn't work today. You have to be innovative. You have to be creative with your ads and you know understand what's going to make people click and make people make impulse purchases. And to be honest with you, it's not really about your technical strategy so much as it is your ability to cast a wide net and test a lot of products, which is why dropshipping is a beautiful thing because you can go sell a hundred products tomorrow if you have the budget to test all of them and you can find the winning products in a few days. If you own a brand and you have limited products that you can run ads to, you got to spend a lot of energy trying to crack the code and you may never crack the code. But with dropshipping, you can go on spy tools and see what's selling and you can go test a hundred products a week, find winning products, get creative with how you're selling them, how you're marketing them. There's an unlimited kind of opportunity pool for you. So I would say to answer your question more directly, TikTok has been really good for people these days. I don't think that's going anywhere. And then really just kind of being kind of you know early on these new tactics and trends um, is how you can you can get ahead. And it's it's always been this way. You know, like I said, when I started drop shipping, people said, "Oh, drop shipping's dead. You can't do it." I just tried things that other people weren't trying, and they would work. And you know. That's just the way it always is. You just have to keep trying new things. TikTok's not going anywhere unless the U.S. government decides to shut it down. Who knows? I'm a pre-IPO investor in Triller, so uh -huh. I, uh, I wouldn't be too upset if TikTok went somewhere. I think that would make my investment go up. We'll see. <laughs> Jared, what's the next chapter looking like for Zendrop and for you personally? What are you thinking about next year or two? Yeah, like a lot of this conversation, my real passion is personal growth. And I know that in partaking in a lot of these habits and routines and rituals, 
my business will continue to grow just through the energy I put out. So, you know, specifically with Zendrop, you know, we, we just launched print on demand. That's a big market we're going to be pushing heavily into over the course of the next year or two. We just took on a, you know, world-class head of marketing who's exited a few of his own SaaS companies, who's leading the charge for us on the education front. And to date, Zendrop has barely ever run any paid traffic to acquire users. Everything's been organic. So we're ramping that up so a lot more people will know about us. Personally, I'm going all in on uh, on this new podcast that I'm uh, hosting called Zen Hard. And it's going to be deconstructing the inner worlds of world-class achievers to give people tools, tactics, and habits to become extraordinary. And we just converted our office here in San Antonio into a podcast studio. And you know, aside from that, I'm, I'm also working on a book right now called The Perfect Walk, where I break down this morning walking formula that I do each day that has been a life-changing habit for me. And uh, I'm a new father as of four weeks ago. So congrats. My, that, that's my, my main, main priority. That'll wake up a whole other angle of uh, purpose and fulfillment and motivation for sure. Wishing you the best with with that. Obviously, that's what's most important. Zendrop.com for more info on Zendrop. Zenhard, the podcast, obviously. Uh, Jared, best of luck with the book, The Perfect Walk. Where else can people follow you on social if and when you are paying attention? I have an assistant now who's, who's managing my social, so... You'll see podcast clips like this on my Instagram and um, you can connect with me on there. But other than that, it's really just my Instagram, YouTube channel a bit. Um, You can join my email list and you'll get a bunch of content from me about it. Well, Jared, thanks for taking the time, man. Really appreciate it. It was a great chat today. Thank you very much, Adam. That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. Entrepreneurs Exposed is brought to you by Scriberbase. Build your subscription business and thrive. More at scriberbase.com. If you like what you heard today, don't forget to download and subscribe wherever you get your audio. It helps our audience find us. You can also visit us at glow.fm forward slash E2 to become a supporter. Until next time, make today count with whatever it is you're working on. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast.